0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get into the message today, and I don't want to keep you real long, but I want to talk about this idea of embracing others. This has really been on my heart, and even in this, this past couple weeks, I've been really thinking about this when Pastor Jake was here. How many were here for Pastor Jake? Awesome word, wasn't it? But he and I sat down and we had a conversation um, on one of my episodes on my YouTube channel about this idea of how do we deal with negativity? Uh, How do we deal in a culture that seems bent towards the negative? And and we, we came down to this place or this space where we were talking about embracing others. We have to get to this point like Jesus, where Jesus wasn't looking at Anything except the heart of the person. I love what Jamie Engelhart said. He said, Jesus never saw sin in someone. He saw the sonship in them. Right? He saw sonship. He saw the fact that they were lost. They were operating as orphans, but they didn't realize they were built. They were made in the image and likeness of God. And so they lost their identity. I mean, that's the story of man in Genesis that we lost our identity. Adam and Eve. Adam actually means human being. So it's the story of human beings and how we lost our identity. And so up until the time of Jesus, we were slowly discovering things about God's identity, but he came to reveal the heart of the Father, who he truly was. But he also came to reveal who you were and who I was. Does that make sense? And so there's this this place where we need to say, okay, and it takes faith. Because how many ever looked in the mirror and you think about what you did last night? right? What you did last week, what you've done in your life. And so you look at yourself and sometimes you see yourself as a sum total of your actions, but God's looking at you and saying, no, you are who I say you are. And you are a son. You are a daughter. Now in church terms, when we talk about sonship, that includes the ladies. Can I get in? Hey from the ladies. In this time, in the first century, you got to understand it was very patriarchal. Okay, And so the the man was the head of the home, the head of things. And so when they say brother, they mean brother and sister many times. When they would address, dear brothers, I come to you in a letter, they're talking about the whole church. We're brothers and sisters. So when I say brother today or son, I want you to know it includes everyone. Does that make sense? And so it's important that we see this idea of embracing others. Now for some of us, this may be tough. Because we've been brought up in religion. And religion has told us that we have to build walls, make borders, we have to separate from other people. Because we read scriptures, you know, we're not of this world. That's true, but it's not talking about we're not of humanity, it's saying we're not of the system of the world. Big difference between the world and people. Do you follow me here? The world is a system, a system that's built on hatred and greed and anger and retribution. But we have this kingdom that's built on right relationship. It's built on peace. It's built on joy. It's built on grace. It's built on unity. And so Jesus came. Think about this. Who were the ones who actually gathered at the table of the Lord? Whenever Jesus was present, who gathered? Those that the religious system would say, "Mm, they don't belong. Jesus said, yes, you do. But see, he didn't leave them there. Instead of seeing the sin in them, he saw the sun in them. And so when you see the sun, when you call out the sun, when you draw out the sun in someone, that is what brings them to a change in their actions and their words. Not saying you're a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner and God can barely stand you. You are a stench in his nostrils. There's nothing in the scripture that says that, by the way, just so you know. These are things that we've concocted through different verses, but I'm telling you, God has never left us or forsaken us. He's always pursued us because he loves us. And so I want us to get to a point where we can literally embrace others even if they're on the opposite side of the aisle than us. I know this hard. Well, they're a Democrat and I'm a Republican. Who cares? Are you a Jesus follower? See, sometimes we put those things above following Jesus or the kingdom and we need to get our priorities straight. No legalism. I'm just saying we need to get our priorities straight. And so the Apostle John, he's addressing this in 1 John, in chapter 2. I want to read a, a section of scripture here. He says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Verse 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and, look at this, in you, in you. Why? Because the darkness is passing away. Now, a lot of times when we see darkness in the scriptures, it's referring to ignorance. Okay, So ignorance is passing away, but look what's happening. And true light is already shining. True light, revelation, wisdom, inspiration from God. He's showing us something different here. Verse 9, the one who says he is the light and yet, look at this, hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because what? The darkness has blinded his eyes. Verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. Say, sin's not an issue. Say it again. Sin's not an issue. Now Listen. If you're living a lifestyle of sin, of course you're going to reap consequences. But as far as you and God are concerned, sin's not the issue. Sonship is. Daughtership is. So discover who you are and your actions will change. Look at this. He says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you children because you know the father. And I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men. Now look at all this list he's going through. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. These are pretty powerful words from the Apostle John right here. Now, I've said this before, many of us know this, but the Apostle John, when he's writing this, he could probably be anywhere between 70, 80 years old. So he's a grandpa, right? Say grandpa. And how many know that grandpas or those who are of older age pretty much speak their mind. Yeah. You ever been in that conversation? You're like, oh, whoa, what's, where are we going here? But because they're older, they kind of get away with it. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm picturing John here because he's dealing with so many different things in the church. He's dealing with these false teachers who are coming in and literally pulling people out of the church, telling them that Jesus is all right and he's cool and everything, but there's more. There's some mystical secret knowledge. And if you're, if you're special enough, you can receive it. And John's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. All have received all things in Christ. There's no one better than another person in the kingdom of God. And so he's dealing with this. So his tone here is direct in this letter. He doesn't mince words. He wants to be crystal Clear, you follow me so far. So I want you to hear the tone that John's using here. But but literally, people were just getting bored. They they were bored. Like yeah, this Jesus thing's cool, and it was a new thing for a while. But now maybe there's more. And John's like, listen, there's nothing more than Jesus. It's everything you need. You're in Christness. Is everything that you need and I believe what he's telling them is listen if if we feel dissatisfied in life especially as those who have believed it's not that we need something more than Jesus we need close friendship with him we're we're missing something in the relationship you follow me and so John, he, he just got this, this fire as he's writing this letter, but he also reassures us that we are new in Christ. Even if we sin, even if we fall, even if we fail, we are still in Christ. And that our closeness with Jesus, this relationship that he had with Jesus, how many know that he referred, I think, five times in this gospel to himself as the friend of Jesus or the one whom Jesus loved? In other words, I'm his best friend, just saying, Right? <laughs> And it wasn't arrogance. I believe he truly believed this. He saw something about the love of the Father through Christ, and he believed it. And when you believe something, you can receive it. And so this is where he's coming from. And I believe he's telling us, listen, your closeness with Christ, your closeness with Jesus, this relationship with your Father, that's what compels us to say no to sin. And let me tell you what sin is. Anything that goes against the grain of love. Real simple. If it goes against the grain of love, if you're doing things to benefit yourself, it's not love. If you're doing things to benefit others, it's love. Does that make sense? I'm saying that a lot this morning, but I really want us to get this. Because we have to get to this point where we truly are walking out a lifestyle of love and we are embracing people even if they don't agree with us or we don't agree with them. Agreement doesn't equal relationship. Agreement doesn't equal friendship. If we believe that, then it's not true relationship and it's not true friendship. So, as we watch, as we walk, as we work with Jesus, what happens? That Christ in us, we begin to see our true selves come out. And John's saying that's real, true satisfaction. So, what I want to do is I want to take the next few minutes. And i want to read these verses again out of the Mirror Translation. I just absolutely love Francois Dutois' um, translation of the Bible here. Was it last week we talked about translations? We changed the term now. We're going to call it remixes, right? Because everyone has a remix. And, and Ray's not here, but I, I heard the song she was referring to now. What was that song that Ray likes? Huh? God's Country. Is that the song she likes? I don't know if there's any remixes on that. But how many have ever heard a song, and then you heard it again? It sounded familiar, but you're like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. I know that melody, but there's like drum loops and there's new things introduced. It's called a remix. And so the Bible, I I believe, is these remixes. It's different ways of hearing the same theme or the idea. And so in the mirror translations, it's really beautiful in a lot of portions. But my goal here is not just for this morning for us to see this, but also as we continue this journey together, I want us to start to allow ourselves to move a little bit. See, referring back to episode eight on my YouTube channel, when I was talking to Jake, he said something really interesting. He said this word indoctrination. He says, you know that everyone is indoctrinated? Everyone. It's not held for just a Christian or a believer or someone who follows Jesus. We're all indoctrinated. He brought up this point. He said, even your doctor is indoctrinated. You ever went to your doctor and he's like, this is what I feel based on, I mean, he doesn't say this, but it's based on his education, what he's heard, what he's seen. And sometimes we're like, I need a second opinion. Why? Because he's coming from his indoctrination, from his viewpoint. Every single one of us, based on how we've been brought up, how we some people are indoctrinated to believe that God doesn't exist. I have friends who are atheists. You do? Absolutely. They're my friends. Because I look through into them and I see the potential and the goodness in them even if they don't believe in God. And you know what I found? I found with true relationship and loving people where they are, some of these so-called atheists actually are now, now tell me a little bit more about this God. Yeah. And then when I actually present the picture of a loving God who's not angry, who desires relationship, they're like, this is what I've heard. I've never heard it that way before. That's really sad. Right? And so indoctrination, we all are indoctrinated to some point. And so as we go on this journey, I want us to be open enough. And I know this is scary to some because they're like, no, I I grew up in this religious box and I was told to believe this and believe that. Well, that's, that's great. That's where you were on your journey. But are you open to the Holy Spirit to say, if there's something different, Holy Spirit, help me see it. Because I want to be the best version of who you've made me to be. And sometimes when we keep ourselves inside a box, we can't reach that potential. I know it's quiet this morning, but I want us to consider this. Asking questions to God is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. In fact, the Hebrews, what's really cool about the rabbis is they would sit around and they would argue the scripture all the time. They would take it, they would actually refer to the scripture as a gem that has many facets and they would just, they would go over and over and over and they'd argue about, no, I see it this way. Well, I see it that way. And they would maybe convince each other, maybe not. And they would just kind of exhaust everything they could on that, on that scripture, that gem, that one facet, and they would turn it just a little bit more to another facet and they would expound some more on it. I think that's beautiful. We should do that. The scriptures are beautiful. I believe they're inspired. But sometimes we read an English version of the Bible and we're not getting the true sense of what's happening. That's why any of us can Google Greek and Hebrew and look things up. Just do it on a couple of scriptures. You go, okay, wait a minute. Everything's just exploded. It's totally different than I'd ever seen it before because Greek and Hebrew are such deep, beautiful languages. So we can do that on our own, right? Right? But I want us, the bottom line today, I want us to get to this point where we see all of humanity as brothers and sisters. And because when we do, guess what? Our mode of living completely changes. How we treat people, how we speak to people, how we see people, it completely changes. And I'm telling you, when you treat someone with dignity and honor, they will hear what you have to say. So I want to look back at 1 John chapter 2, of course, in verse 7. In the mirror translation, it says this, my beloved, say beloved. I like what Keith Hershey says, be loved, say be loved. He says, my beloved family. Now this word beloved in the Greek, it literally means this, to be esteemed, to be favored, and to be worthy of love. So look at even John, even, even though John is a little bit fiery in this letter, kind of like Paul was in the book of Galatians, he's really addressing some things in the church, he still hasn't forgotten how God sees and who, how he now sees people. He's saying, my beloved, my esteemed, my highly favored, my, my family worthy of love. He says, I know that the words I write to you here may not immediately remind you of the precepts, or we could say commandments, of Moses. This does not mean that it's a new doctrine. It is the ancient conversation that echoes God's voice prophetically. It is indeed the very conclusion of the word which you have heard from the beginning. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, listen, this is not a new commandment. But at the same time, it is. See, we got we to gotta look at the Ten Commandments or the law in the proper light. Now we, we've heard this here for years is that we're not trying to live by the letter of the law. You know, laws on tablets of stone, right? But what is it we live by? The law of love that's written on our heart. Isn't everything summed up or wrapped up in love? In fact, th- this word here, You know, in the Greek is entol, which is often translated commandment or precept. This word has a couple components in it, and it actually means this. To set out for a definite point or goal. In other words, what John is saying is the law served its purpose for its time. It was pointing us toward what? Love. Because think about it. If you actually live the commandments, you would be living out love. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. What was it? Love others just as I've loved you. Now, these were strong words at the time to say, a new commandment I give to you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got the commandments, Jesus. Well, what are you doing here? He's trying to bring us prophetically on a journey from 10 commandments that, I mean, at this time, and I don't want to get into this or belabor the point, but at this time, the law and the 10 commandments was a huge step forward forward from where culture was at the time. Do you know that eye for an eye was better than what it was before eye for an eye? But before this, I mean, there's actual, in scripture, there's historic accounts of, you know, a guy who got bumped by his servant, so he had him killed. That's not eye for an eye. That's like, oh, you bumped me. Done. I mean, that's crazy. What was God doing? He was saying, okay, I know you're not ready to just completely forgive everyone and walk in love yet. I understand that. I know that you're married to the culture and the ideas of sacrifices to God to try to appease. So I'll work within that system. But when you, offer, when you bring these offerings to me, it's going to be different. I want you to know, first, first, very first scripture verse in Leviticus, the way that they're supposed to bring the offering, God literally was saying this in the Hebrew. I want you to draw near to me. No God before that time said, draw near to me. You offered sacrifices from afar and you hoped you were okay. So God was already radically changing their thinking, Say, I want you to draw near to me. Not only that, I'm going to set up some commandments and some laws for you to follow so I can get you to start to understand what it looks like to walk out a life of love. And let's start here. Eye for an eye. Someone steals from you, they need to pay you back. But you can't kill them. (laughs) And listen to this. In cultures around Israel, if someone were to steal from somebody, do you know what the consequence was? Their hand got chopped off. And God said, No, 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 we're not going that route. Do you know nowhere in the old covenant law with Israel is there any place where anyone can have areas of their body cut off? There isn't. It was eye for an eye restoration, restore what you've stolen. Do you see this flow? And so then we get to Jesus and Jesus is saying, okay, let me sum it all up for you. Love others as I have loved you, which is unconditionally, which is I will even, this is how much I love you. I will let you put me an innocent man on a cross after you've beaten me to death, half to death, put me on a cross. And then with my arms outstretched, I will still say, forgive them, father. They don't know what they're doing. Come on, I say it almost every week, right? That there's no love, there's no love greater than this, that you lay your life down for another. That's full display, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He said, look at this is full love. Now will you follow me? It's a different way to live. And so what is John saying? He's saying the old commandment really is the new commandment in that love is what wraps everything and brings it all together, In the old, you must love. In the new, you will love, just as I've loved you. Isn't that awesome? In fact, even in in the thou shall, we're thinking it's like you better or else. But that word shall is you will. Hang with me and you will. Isn't that cool? Sometimes we make it so about, there's so much there I can't get into it. Verse 8, and yet it is a glorious new message that I am writing to you. You may ask, how can that which is old also be new? Herein is a secret of its newness. Whatever is true of Jesus, get this, is equally true of you. Say, I'm just like Jesus. That wasn't very convincing. You are. Say, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm just like Jesus. Listen, I know that you all got some crazy actions you want to clear up. Yeah, me too. But, but listen... You can't say that you are just those actions. You are who you are and you're learning what that means, right? That's your identity. It says, the days of dominance of darkness as a reference to human life are over. The true light surely shines with bold certainty. And look at this, illuminates your life as it's unveiled in Christ. How many have noticed on this journey, it's like Christ is in me, but it's a process to unveil what that means, like, it's a daily process, right? And you should be able to look back and go, wow, uh, I'm different. There's more unveiling than there was a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. And so it's a journey. Verse 9, to feel justified in your judgment to dislike a fellow human is to continue in darkness, even if you might claim to be in the light. That's really what I want to center on here. Look at this. This place of illumination is not cheap talk it immediately translates into seeing your, what? Brother differently. Now, is brother just a male? No. Male and female. But I love this translation because the word brother, he translates fellow human because in the Greek, it refers specifically to all of humanity. He's using the word brother. That's the English translation. But he's saying all of humanity. In other words, if you say that you love God and that you're in the light and you're so you're tight with Jesus, man, you're good to go. Man, you're just walking it out. But you say, I hate that person and I can't stand that person. He's saying, you're ignorant. You're walking in darkness. You are not displaying the Christ in you. You are not walking out kingdom. Now, I'm not trying to be hard on this, but sometimes there's people who post stuff and they mean well on social media. Sometimes I wish we could just burn it all up, the social media. But they post things in the name of God that is full of bigotry and hatred against people. And I'm thinking, huh? That was not inspired by God. That was inspired by your indoctrination. Well, brother... Love the sinner, hate the sin. Stop saying that. You say that to someone who's in a lifestyle, they just think, yeah, what you're really saying is you hate me. I know what you're trying to say. How about just love people? I'm using that this hard. I'm just saying, how about just love people? We think that we are the ones that are changing a person's heart. But, but and I'm not speaking to you, it's probably the other church up the street, okay? You guys are awesome. But when we, in the name of Christ, when we speak things out of hatred, out of indoctrination, and it comes across like I'm better than you, you're not winning their heart. Jesus didn't speak to people like that. The only time I saw him speak harshly in the scriptures, I wasn't there. This is all I have to go on. And I choose to believe that it's truth. Okay, But when I see, the only time he speaks harshly is to the religious people who are shutting others out. But see, we, we, we're we afraid. We're like, well, if I embrace that person, it means that I condone everything they're doing. No, it doesn't. Just because you embrace someone doesn't mean you agree with them. Listen, my wife and I have been married now almost 18 years. I don't know how, she, I know, Bruce. Bruce was like, wow, thanks, bro. You're probably saying wow because you've been around the block like what, three times as much? You, Okay, Bruce is better than me, just so everyone knows. But here's the thing in 18 years, I'm just going to tell him, honey, I got to be honest. We still don't agree on everything. She's wrong on stuff and she doesn't know it. I'm just kidding. We don't agree on everything. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. I don't say, well, you don't agree with me. I guess uh, let's go down to the courthouse. we got to get a divorce because we have to agree on every single thing to be friends and be in relationship. What? Come on. Have you read the scriptures? Have you read the book of Acts, which is really a continuation of the book of Luke? And it shouldn't have been two separate books. It was just one book describing Jesus and what happened. But have you ever read Acts I mean, these guys were bickering and fighting and trying to figure stuff out. And then they'd have meetings and like, well, we think that, you know, they should be circumcised. And the Gentiles are like, well, I'm sorry. I don't want to be part of this Jesus thing if I got to cut something off. I mean, there were these issues back and forth and people were like, well, we got to do this or we got to do that. And, we, and so they were trying to navigate what does it look like to live life in this new way of the kingdom. And so there was no agreement. At one point, the Apostle Paul, it says, he got in Peter's face. Peter. I mean, Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Paul just had this little experience on the road we, we hear about. But Paul got in his face and said, basically this, listen, bro, what are you doing? You're trying to bring Gentiles back under this law, this heavy burden that even our forefathers couldn't do. That was Paul. But I believe Paul said it out of love. He didn't say, so now we're no longer brothers, no longer part of this, I'm gonna go start my own little Christian thing. No, they continued working together on the journey. Why can't we do that? Well, that person, they can't, they can't come to our church, why? Because they live a different lifestyle than me. So? <laughs> you know, when did, this would really suck, but what if for one day, just one day, There was a camera everywhere you went throughout your day, Mr. and Mrs. Holy, (laughs) right? I'm not trying to come down and just say, listen, we all have our stuff. We all are struggling. We're all dealing with things. And the only way we do that is by discovering our true identity in Christ. But we have to get to this point where when we look at others, even others that we believe are opposite than us, we can literally look through all that stuff and indoctrination because they have indoctrination too. We need to look through that stuff and see the true self, who they really are. And it starts with this, child of God, loved by God, with purpose and destiny. And it's hard for us to do that. Because when you're raised in certain households or certain ways, for some of us, it's like, nope, this is what it looks like. This is what they have to do. If they don't do that, then I can't befriend them. I can't be with them. Can we go past those borders? Can we go past those, I don't even know what the word is, just those, the separation that we've built? Because God, there's no separation. I mean, he showed that in the very beginning, the first sin in the creation story, in the creation poem, what did he say? He said they fell, they sinned, and what did God do? Did he run away from them? No, he came to them. Where are you? In other words, you've lost your identity. Let me remind you. And then what did he do? He clothed their shame. He offered and provided the first sacrifice. Not them, he did. Why? So they could know that God was still good with them. But there's consequences when we make bad decisions. It's just built in. You reap what you sow, right? It's built into the fabric of creation. But he never left. He went with them. And often you look at the very next story of Cain and Abel when when Cain is about ready out of anger to kill his brother, there's God right there saying, listen, Cain, sin crouches at the door looking for opportunity. Like any good father, look it, if you go this route, it's not going to be good. What did Cain do? He didn't listen. He killed his brother anyway. And what did God do? He marked him. Out of mercy, he marked him so no one could kill him. I mean, all you see through the scripture is mercy. Man is suffering in living hell on earth because of anger and hatred and retribution and the way that we're living. And God in all of that says, I'm not going anywhere. And even through the law, I want to convince you that when you walk according to the law of love, everything changes. When you're a peacemaker, everything changes. Does this make sense? I'm really going on in these verses, so I need to... Is this good so far? So brother here refers specifically to all of humanity. We have the same father. But some people just don't know it. So awaken them to it. For people go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is everyone saved? Well, look around you. Does it look like everyone's saved? Now, what's your, what's your definition of salvation? Because the Greek definition is what? Deliverance safety, right, preservation, restoration, healing. Does everyone look delivered to you? Class participation. Does everyone? Does everyone look delivered to you? Not me. Does everyone look safe to you? No. Does everyone look healed and restored to you? Not me. I've got areas in my life I still need deliverance. I need. I need healing. I need restoration, uh, emotionally. Um, but but you know we all have these areas that we're trying to work on. But we have to sometimes say I'm going to allow you to work on that, in me because you're the one who brings salvation. And so it's important that we see this. So we're not saying that everyone is saved. People aren't walking in what Christ has already provided. But let me tell you this. When someone prays a prayer or they believe on Christ, it isn't like he climbs back up on the cross and raises from the dead again. It's a finished work. You're just believing and receiving what's already been done. He's like, listen, it's done. It's done. I was in Christ. This is God, the Father. I was in Christ reconciling, bringing the world into favor with me. I want you to know this is my job. This is what I'm doing. This is God speaking. This is what I'm doing. I'm bringing you into restoration. I'm bringing you into favor. I'm bringing you in this place where you know that you're my sons and daughters, but some haven't awakened to that yet. So our job is to say, guess what? He loves you. He's provided everything, but you have to believe it. Every single person who came in here today, let me ask you a question. When you sat in any one of these seats, were you like terrified? Were you like, I wonder if this thing's going to hold up? I don't know. I saw some of you, you were like, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody did that. You came and were like, i like, you plopped down. I was like, dude, chill on the chairs a little bit, right? Do you know what that is? That's faith. You had total belief and faith in the, the security of that chair. You just fell right into it. Anyone here? Did, did, yeah. Were you freaking out or did you just fall right into it? No questions asked. See, when you have faith or you believe something, you just fall into it. And the Father's saying, will you just fall into me? Will you fall into this finished work? It's already done. Listen, you're made my image and my likeness. You've lost your identity. You're living like an orphan. You don't know who your family is, but I'm right here. Lean into me. Fall into me and discover your true identity. That's the gospel. That's the good news that it's already been done. But if you don't believe it, you'll never walk in it. You'll never receive it. You'll never receive the benefits of what it means to know who you are. But I really want us to get this because what happens is when we understand this clearly, our focus, our gaze changes to those outside of the realm of where we live. That religious indoctrination, that political indoctrination, all those things that we allow to build walls between us, they begin to come down because now when we see someone, we see the son in them. We see the daughter in them. Let me challenge you. If you've ever had an issue with someone because of their lifestyle or their political bent or what they believe, maybe just maybe sit down with them for coffee, have a meal with them and don't discuss politics and lifestyle, discuss them. Because I believe we have to get to this point where we can look so deeply into the other that we begin to see ourselves. People with the same fears, the same loss, the same things that make them happy, the same emotional trauma, because we're all humans. Does this make sense? Listen, your job is not to save people. Sometimes we go at this whole, I've got like a list of scriptures, I'm gonna convince you that you're dirty and rotten, and, and but Jesus died for you and now you can't. Listen, I get the story, but how about this? Develop relationship with people First. Let them see that you love them, truly love them as a human being, just like Jesus did. When Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, the word repent has become this dirty word where we we scream repent with an A on the end. Repent! ah!" And then they grovel to an altar because somehow if I can just grovel hard enough, listen, there's no groveling. Jesus wiped the slate clean. Listen to me. Jesus wiped the slate clean. The word repent, metanoia in the Greek, literally means to change your mind. So when Jesus and the apostles would say repent without the A on the end, because of course they would be saying metanoia, but oh yeah, that's an A at the end, isn't it? Metanoia. But they didn't say it like that. They said, listen, change your mind about who you thought God was and who you are. That's the gospel. First of all, convincing people through your love and your grace and your your works, your good works that were prepared beforehand so you should walk in them. Like when they see you, like, man, they just do good in the community. They love people. They show grace. Even if someone, this is just crazy. What is this all about? And you attract them with the Christ in you. What happens? You have an opportunity to speak to them. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just living out my identity. What does that even mean? And then you get to have conversations. And you don't have to change them. You don't have to change their lifestyle. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do with them. I just want us to get this. Brother here refers specifically to all of humanity. So we have the Apostle John here. He's addressing misunderstandings that he's been hearing about the people in the church. And he sees that you know they're thinking, well, I'm, I'm friends with Jesus and I'm walking in the light. But he sees people who say, I love Jesus, I'm a friend, it's all good, but I can't stand her, I don't want to talk to him, and there's no way in heaven that I'm crossing the street near that family. <laughs> Am I messing? That's good. Listen, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching kind of with you, because I need to hear this too. I mean, without a show of hands, how many times have you just even thought that thought about that, that person. And then kind of in your spirit, you're like, wait a minute. What do you mean that person? That's my brother. That's my sister. What, what am I doing here? This is not kingdom. Forgive me, Lord. I'm not seeing people correctly. I'm seeing people as a sum total of their actions, and I'm not seeing the son and the daughter in them. And they're never going to see it unless we can see it first in them and draw it out and show them who they are through relationship. And you can't have relationship with people if you're not there. But I, but I really truly believe that God is bringing the church universally to this place where we can put down the, the labels, if you will, and see people as human beings. There was this, I heard this guy, he, you know, he often posts on social media and, and, and he'll post something. And then, of course, you know how it is on social media. You can say something as sweet as ever. God loves you. He cares for you. He desires you. And there's always some guy that crawls out of the woodwork and says, yeah, but, right? He gets his big butt in the way. And, and so this guy, though, he said sometimes he'll say things and people will get on there. And, I mean, they're, very, I mean, they're personal attacks, and instead of attacking them back, sometimes he'll literally in the thread he'll just type something like, um, "Remember, I'm a human being." And he says it, it's crazy. People will literally come back and say, "I'm sorry. I wasn't even thinking." Because too many times we we make people a sum total of a comment or an opinion. But that could be a mom or a dad, a sister, a brother someone who's gone through something in their life or some indoctrination. We have to see past the indoctrination to the humanity within. And when we love people from that place, listen, the Holy Spirit can work in that space. Again, you don't have to save people. You don't have to change people. The Holy Spirit's gonna do his work in people just like he is in you. Does anyone here have stuff in their life they're like, man, I just, I just wish that wasn't there. I, I wanna work my way out of that thing in my life. Yeah, I'll raise both hands and a foot, Right? Maybe their desires is in the same place, or maybe they just don't even know or see it yet. But listen, we have to, as the church, stop trying to change people's outward appearance and what they do, and look into the heart. Find the son, find the daughter in them, and just say, this is who you are. Allow them to discover their identity in Christ. But that only happens in relationship. And so when we cut relationships off, we literally are cutting off an opportunity to speak to the son or the daughter in someone else's heart. Amen. Now, when he's talking about hate here, he's not speaking of a bad evening, bad afternoon, altercation in the parking lot, you know, or maybe you called someone number one with a hand gesture or something like that. This, this isn't like a one-time thing. This is literally, this hate in the Greek means to pursue with hatred and to detest. How many have seen this in the church? We literally pursue people with hatred. We detest them. We want nothing to do with them. It's because we've forgotten their humanity. We've forgotten their sonship. They just need to discover who they are. And it's up to us because God, we're a vessel, right, that's utilized. We participate in the gospel. It's up to us to display what kingdom looks like, to display the love of the Father to people. It's literally a continual lifestyle of hatred and ill will towards another. It means to love someone less and less and less every single day. That's why the Apostle James tells us if you bite and devour one another beware lest you be consumed by one another. How many have seen a lot of that going on? Not just social media but even in life. But Jesus said something really key. He says by this sign. Say by this sign. What's the sign? Shall all men know that you are my disciples. In other words that you follow me. You're my students. You're my pupils. You're learning from me. This is a sign. If you have love for one another. I know it seems so simple, but I just look around at the landscape of the church and I'm not seeing a lot of love. Okay? Even in myself, I'll catch myself and go, Whoa, that wasn't walking in love. What are you, what are you doing, man? That's not who you are. See, it's okay to realize that you're a little off kilter, you're a little out of whack, and go, Whoa, sorry, Lord, that's, that's not who I am. I'm stepping back into my identity now and love people. <laughs> it's okay. No condemnation, sins forgiven. It's a good deal, but listen, we need correction. We need discipline, right? And so when he disciplined us, he's, he's training us for our future. No, 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 that's not who you are. You love others. No, that's not who you are. You forgive, but they didn't say they were sorry. doesn't matter. You forgive because a lot of times they didn't know what they were doing anyway. And even if they did, you forgive them. You might have to remove yourself from a situation so you don't get hurt. That's okay. Love doesn't just let people beat you up. Listen, as I'm saying this, I know some are like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I know. But here's the cool thing, you don't have to do it on your own. Christ in you, that's your source, that's your life. That's why you can walk this out, a life of love. Verse 10, from this conscious union with that which light reveals, there follows a deep love for the very brother who might previously have irritated you. Look at that. We can get to a point where that guy maybe doesn't irritate you as much as he used to. If anyone thinks less of his brother than what love reveals, that's the key, it is proof of a blindfold mode. See, all it is is ignorance. We're walking around with a blindfold on, and we just don't see things for how they truly are. It's like the blindfold just has like a sum total of who we think they are based on actions or words or deeds. But when you take the blindfold off and you see them like the father sees, and you're like, there's a son. There's a daughter. Oh, my gosh, that's family. Changes everything around. So we have to get to this point when we see everyone as family, we will literally defend that person. Even if we don't agree with everything they do, live and say, we will defend them and say, whoa, 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 you're, you're talking to my brother. You're talking to my sister. So we have this ancient letter here from the apostle uh, John, which has such modern relevance to us here and now. If we walk with Jesus, who by the way, was the biggest forgiver and lover of people in history, yet we Ourselves harbor unforgiveness and hatred for another, whether they're across the street or whether they're across the aisle at church. Something doesn't add up. And let me say this. Loving someone doesn't mean you have warm, fluffy feelings all the time about every person every day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But it's not the truth. That's not going to happen. But here's what it's about. It's about offering forgiveness to all who might offend you. It's literally loving those who may not be so lovely. It's extending grace to those who maybe aren't very gracious. It doesn't mean that every person is your best friend, but we genuinely love our fellow brothers and sisters. Now it's a journey, and it may take some time. And today, maybe I just started to turn, just shift that paradigm a little bit, just just an inkling so we can go, okay, okay, I I, kind of see where you're going with this. But I need to chew on this. I need to marinate on this. I must be hungry. Chew and marinate. But I'm going to really think about this. And that's okay. We're on a journey. We don't even have to agree today on all this. But I want us to get to the point where we see what John is saying. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, but you hold disdain or hatred for another person, you're not walking fully in Christ. Does it mean that you lost Christ? It okay? just means you're on a journey. So no condemnation, but if you find yourself you know, going about your week and you see a person you know, of, of a certain color or a certain lifestyle or whatever, and you suddenly go, right there, I'm believing the Holy Spirit will go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're seeing things through your indoctrination. You don't have to agree with them to be their friend. You don't have to be their, agree with everything they do in order to love them. Just love them where they are and let God handle the rest. It really, for me, it took the pressure off because I found that I could be friends with any and everybody in this community believing that God through me will reveal kingdom and grace and love to them. And it's beautiful because I don't feel the pressure like I gotta make them pray this prayer. I I don't feel that pressure. What I want is them to see the love of God because I'm telling you what, that's what will change their heart. And just a reminder to you, you look at all the gospel messages that were preached in the book of Acts. Listen to me there's not one sinner's prayer that was recited. It said they believed. Because I've heard people pray prayers, and to this day, I don't think they believe. They're not walking anything. They're not as, as far as Jesus is concerned. So it's not about prayers. Did you hear me? It's about belief. And when we believe something, we'll actually receive. We'll, we'll take that revelation and we'll walk it out. And so all I want to do is, starting here at Faith City, I want us to begin to actually truly walk out grace and love to people. Let them see the Father's heart toward them, who they truly are. And tell you what, they're not going to stay the same. Eventually, they may believe and then walk in it just like you are, on the journey, letting the Holy Spirit work on things as they go. Isn't it awesome? Let's skip down a couple verses because I took a lot of time on some of that. Let's go down to first 15. It says, the Father's love does not compete with anything the world system has to offer. What is the world system? It's cosmetic attraction, it's surface and external. But look at this, the Father's love is from within. It's internal. Do not be lured into an emptiness where love is absent and romance seems lost. Isn't that beautiful? See, John is really serious here, I believe, about our love walk, isn't he? He's saying, don't, some of the other scriptures, he's saying, don't block the light from others. You're convoluting the light for others who are looking. There's literally people looking for an answer to life, but they can't even see the light because of our actions as so-called followers of Jesus. Now listen, we're not perfect. We're gonna have bad days. But I'm telling you, the more that we walk this out, people who are looking for the light, they will see the light in us because it resides in us. And we can awaken them to who they are. Have you ever met a follower of Jesus, you know, who said, I'm a Christian, and you're like, wow, please don't tell anybody, (laughs) right? Because you're not displaying the Jesus that, that I know. That's not condemnation. That's not putting anyone down. It's just sometimes it's like, whoa, you're, and this is what's great about God. Through all of history, he's let us misrepresent him, and he still loved us right there. Isn't that wild? That's like true love. Yeah, you're misrepresenting me, but hang with me long enough, and you'll see the truth. So John says, you become a blockage. People who are groping for the light are confused by your lifestyle. And really, I think at the end of the day, he's saying, listen, spend a day with Jesus and you'll embrace everyone. In fact, you'd embrace anyone, just like Jesus did. Amen? The church should reflect that it should be a demographic of every season, every stage, and every person. And without us looking down our noses at people, we can say, wow, they're in a different stage than I am. But that's okay. I can befriend them. I can help them. I I can just be in relationship with them. And I'm telling you, the love of God I found in my life, the love of God is the the fuel that I need for life. Some days it just keeps me going. It keeps me seeing people for who they truly are. Because there's days, I'll be honest with you, man. you ever been in line somewhere and you're thinking, man, I just don't want to be very Christ-like right now. Right? Why? Because that person isn't. But our Christ-likeness shouldn't be based on how someone else is acting towards us. We should give grace and love and goodness regardless. And I'm not saying this because I've arrived. I'm saying this because it's the truth. It's what Jesus displayed. So my question this morning, as we close our eyes for a moment, I want you to think about this. Is there anyone in your life that you've refused to embrace? Is there anyone in your life that you said, you know, I can't befriend them. I, I can't have a relationship with that person because maybe we have a fear that, oh, what if I do it? It might rub off on me. Now use wisdom. Listen, if you're someone who struggled for years with alcohol, then listen, you don't have to go to the bar and hang out with all, everyone drinking alcohol. I get that. There's people who can do that. I can go to the bar and hang out with friends and I don't have to get drunk. But I don't look down my nose at him, I'm just like, yeah, that's cool, man. Let's have a beer and let's talk. Because th- there's no legalism in this. Does that make sense? But maybe you're in a situation where you can't do that. So use wisdom. Follow the Holy Spirit. But, but think about this. Is there anyone in your life that you said, you know what, I, I just, I cannot befriend them. I can't be close to them. I have hatred. I have disdain for them. I want you to think of that person. And I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father. Help me. Jesus, help me. Help me to see the son or the daughter in this person. Help me to see that your love is no different for them than it is for me. Open my heart, Holy Spirit. If there's any areas in my heart where I've been wounded I've been hurt. Maybe there's indoctrination. There's things that need to be mended. I give you full permission. Jesus, deliver me. Restore me. Bring healing to my soul. And help me to see others. Help me to embrace others as family. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.